There's really only one thing that you need to know in life, and, and it is the thing. You know, we, we distract ourselves with so much, and we make ourselves so busy with such useless stuff. But really, the, the, the whole reason you exist, like what is the purpose of life? It's really just that you would know this one thing. And that's that you would know that you're loved. That's it. If you know that, you've succeeded. That's the end of the story. <laughs> now at that point, most of you are thinking, yeah, we already know that. You know, give us something more meaty. You know, give us some heavy theology or something. The rest is a distraction, really. You know, we, we, we can get, particularly as a church, we can get so caught up in all these theological debates and who's this and who's that and who's the most orthodox and whatever. The only thing that really matters is whether you know that you're loved. Now, the reason is because everything comes out of that question. All the trouble, all the problems in the world come because we don't believe that we're loved. That's pretty much it. You know, that what we hear in the readings today, in the second reading from James, where he says, you know, wherever you find jealousy, ambition, you find disharmony, wicked things of every kind being done. You know, that's our world. You know, there's this constant strife, constant trouble. The gospel, you've got two of the, you know, you've got all the 12 trying to argue as to who's the greatest. Now, that's pretty much every human conversation that ever takes place. You know, we wouldn't admit it, but pretty much whenever we're having a conversation, I'm trying to say, look, I'm better than you are. You know, we, we wrap it up in the nicest diplomatic way possible, but that's pretty much what we're saying every time. It's like, you know, you should be pitying yourself because if you were as good as me, your life would be better. There, all of this comes out of this deep insecurity. And that is really where the, the whole story of the Bible begins. You know, when, when we, we, we begin in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve just know that they're loved. And they, and they walk with God in the garden and they just are in complete security. They, they never question themselves. They never question whether they're good enough because they just know that they're loved. But then the temptation comes in. And the temptation is really to look at themselves and to look inwards and they, all they start to see is their own emptiness. You know, whereas up until this point when they looked at the world, they saw God. They saw God's love shining through creation at every single moment. Their eyes were open to it. And yet as soon as they're tempted, their, their gaze turns inward and all they see is, I'm not good enough and I'm not enough. And so I now need something to fill that. And so straight away, there's, there's lust, you know, whether it's for people or for things or for food or whatever. We're just trying to grab creation and use it to fill that emptiness. There's, there's fighting, you know, straight away that Adam and Eve's children are killing each other. And why? Because he gets accepted and I don't. And so I'm going to murder him. And pretty much that becomes a spiral of, of history from that point on. And as I say, you know, we can wrap this up in the most righteous ways possible. You know, we can even wrap it up in religion, that I'm better than you are. My religion's better than your religion, whatever, you know. 
I'm more orthodox than you are. But really what it comes down to is there is just this deep, deep insecurity. We don't know who we are. And for creatures who are meant to be created almost like angels, we've, we've ended up more like wounded animals. You know, in our thinking, in our, in our interactions, we, we're constantly fighting, we're constantly at war, constantly trying to grab and grasp and get more to fill this constant emptiness inside of us. And yet the whole time, God is there giving us the answer. He's just saying, you're loved. You've got to realise this, you're loved. And, and you've got to realise this on a deeper, deeper level. Don't just know it in your head, but you've got to actually know deep within yourself. You are loved. And that is the hardest thing you can ever start to understand. I don't know whether you, you really understand how broken you are until you really encounter an undeserved love. Because so often people love us and we think, yeah, I deserve that because I'm awesome. You know, in fact, I, come on, I deserve more. Come on, if you really knew how good I was, you'd give me... <laughs> but, but really, when we, when we encounter a love that, that doesn't care about our strengths, but rather a love that knows our weakness and just encounters us and just loves us still, that's terrifying. I'm not sure whether you've ever encountered that. Like, but like when you actually encounter a love that's like pure grace, I think that's when we start to discover the real brokenness inside of us. Because you start to see all the reactions that come up. You know, where initially you may find yourself almost trying to push the other person away. You may find yourself almost angry, you know. Trying to almost convince them how ugly you are. You know, I don't deserve this, I'm terrible. But then you can almost just try to sort of prove yourself and, and earn it. You know, you can find yourself trying to do all sorts of stuff for that person, trying to prove that you're worthy of the love, and yet they don't care. They just keep loving you. And that can go on for years and years until finally you kind of are exhausted and you give up and you just let yourself be loved by them. But even then, it's a terrifying thing because I've got nothing. You know, it's, it's almost this absolute poverty where I've got nothing to earn it, nothing to pay for it. Somehow I've just got to declare defeat and just let myself be loved by this person. Now, that's, that's a love that heals. That's the love that starts to transform a person. You know, and when we talk about this mystery of grace, that's, that's really what we're talking about. Grace is one of these churchy words that we throw around all the time. And we all assume that we know what we're talking about. It's like everything. We always use these theological words. And yet if someone says, what does that mean? We're like, um, go ask him. You know, <laughs> I don't quite know. But when we talk about grace, when we talk about the grace of God, what we're talking about is an undeserved love. A love so huge, so gratuitous, that it disturbs us. And all these reactions start to come up inside of us where... I think particularly we try not to look at it. We try not to acknowledge it. You know, so often I hear people saying, you know, I find it so hard to pray. And I kind of think sometimes it's because that love of God is so uncomfortable we would rather not look at it. You know, that when we, when we start to realise the real, the real truth of this love. You know, I was teaching the brothers the other week and I was using this example, so this is repetition for them, but... You know, if you imagine that you 
you murdered somebody. You know, horrendous, violent murder. You know, and you're taken to court and the, the judge declares you guilty, condemns you to death. But at that moment, the mother of this person you murdered stands up and goes to the judge and says, I want him, this person set free and I want to claim them as my adopted child. And they'll come and live with me and I'll feed them and I'll give them everything that my, my, my son or my child deserved, including the full inheritance that was deserving to them. What would be your reaction to that? You know, completely undeserved grace. There's a good chance you'd just be angry. You know, probably as angry at the mother as you were at the child that you murdered. You know, there'd be all sorts of stuff come up inside of you. And then the next morning when you wake up and she enters the room with bacon and eggs, you're probably thinking, are they poisoned? You know? <laughs> you would not trust it. You would not trust that grace. You would not trust that love. And, and, and the more that this continued, you'd probably just be saying, get away from me, woman. You know, leave me alone. You know, I don't want this. You know, I don't deserve this. Like you'd be, you'd be almost trying to tell her the gory details of the murder to try and convince her to go away. Saying, like, I do not deserve this. Leave me alone. I would imagine it would take a long time before you could actually feel comfortable living in the room of the person you, you murdered and actually claiming the inheritance of that person and, and, and allowing yourself to just receive that grace. That's the Christian journey. You know, we, we find ourselves in the position that we hear in these readings. You know, we're, we're all still fighting to make ourselves great. We're still fighting to, to try to fill that emptiness inside of us. And no matter how religious we, we try and appear, we're still these broken, wounded animals. And yet the whole time, God is there just saying, let yourself be loved. Realise how much you're loved and just, just receive it. Now really, that's what we mean by meditation. You know, when, when we talk about prayer, Prayer is meant to simply be meditate on how much you've been loved. Because it's there. You know, every time we look at the cross, it's there. This is God saying, you know what? You murdered me, and yet I give you everything. You now become a co-heir with Christ. You now have the full inheritance of what Christ received. It's yours. Can you let yourself be loved that much? Can you let yourself receive it? And at that point, so many of us just say, oh, look, God, I'll work for you. I'll go and be a missionary for you. I'll go and tell everyone else about you. But to actually just stop long enough and just sit there and let yourself receive it? No, we, we, we're too afraid. You know, we'll, we'll keep running. We'll keep making ourselves busy. We'll keep having church cake stalls and all sorts of stuff. But to just let yourself be loved, to receive the grace and to let it heal the wound, that's what Christ is calling the, his disciples to. You know, when he says, you know, the greatest among you must be the most humble. I think what he's trying to say is that the greatest person among you is going to be the one who just lets themselves be loved. The one who knows who they are. Not the one who's trying to, to manufacture who they are. The one who's trying to prove that they're on the right side. The one who knows that they're completely and utterly insignificant 
And that's okay because they're loved. We need to pray for the grace to get there. Like, like that's not something you can just try harder to do. Yeah, and so when God gives us this grace of the Holy Spirit, it's really a grace to receive love. You know, when St. Paul says in Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 5, he says, you know, the, the love of God is poured into our hearts through the grace of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think we often imagine that this is some, you know, super spiritual divine outpouring which makes us just feel blissful and loved. But I think really what he's doing is he's trying to undo the damage that was done at the fall in the Garden of Eden. You know, where we, where we became blind to the reality that's around us. And where we started to turn inwards and just only focus on our own emptiness. The Spirit comes to turn us back inside out. To open our eyes, to take the scales away from our eyes, so we can actually now start to see the reality that's in front of us. You know, the reality of the cross, the reality of the Eucharist. You know, if we could actually come here to the Eucharist with our eyes open and realise how much we are loved we would be transformed. And yet, the sad reality is, every Sunday we come here and we walk away the same. So this is where we need to pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. We need to pray that the Spirit would really come and break through those false beliefs, break through that insecurity, break through the blindness in us, and particularly break through the fear that keeps us running, keeps us busy, keeps us doing and not just sitting and just letting ourselves receive.